You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous, the podcast about Broadway flops, scandals, and new work. I'm your host, Ebony Vines. And I'm your host, Pamela Shandro. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Theater Geeks Anonymous podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast listening apps. Thank you. I just took a drink of water. Press record right as I took a big drink of water. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, theater geeks? It's another regular episode. We're gonna do doing it. <laughs> we are doing it. The, this one. Oh bless. Um, we <laughs> we both shows were from the seventies because yours was seventy one. Yes, 71. Two by two was in 71. Okay. And this one um, is from 1976. Okay. So um, I was trying to, when we were choosing shows, I was like, what's a theme? What's a, and I, and I, (laughs) so it was just like the year really, because I, I, I wouldn't say that this has any other um, pieces of it that sort of coincide with two by two, but that that it's just the same year yeah worse so i'm doing this this week's episode um this is ebony i'm gonna say that because sometimes people can't tell our voices apart really yeah so i i'm gonna say that maybe next time i'll just be like this is ebony and i'll just (laughs) talk like you think i could get away with it not today because right. my voice is like three octaves lower, lower. than it normally. Yes. I've got my very Kathleen Turner voice today <laughs> because of allergies and being sick. Boo. It's it's been Stupid a time. I I know li- y'all know this by now, but Pamela and I are not summer people. Not no. not even a little bit. Not even the tiniest um, iota. She just won't go away and we're Eat done it. with her. We're done with her. We've already started planning our Apple picking trip. We're done with summer. (laughs) (laughs) So done. I want to start wearing sweaters and pants and my boots and a scarf. I have so many scarves. I have a whole wall just full of scarves. I really do. I've got a box. I've got my box that I need to take out and take out, but I can't because if I do, and this has happened in lots of previous years, if I change over my closet now, 
-hmm. we will just continue to have hot weather for the next, I don't even know how many months. No. I hate it. Do too. But today it's really pretty. Like we were recording two by two and it like had this big burst of thunder. Yeah. And then I looked out the window and it's just pouring rain. Although I yeah. think it's now it stopped now, but like, it's also one of those days, like a sepia day where the colors look even brighter because the sky is so like dead, like yellowish. Overcast. Mm -hmm. Overcast. Exactly. And so it looks like it's like one of those technicolor days. Mm, love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I mean, my, my screen doesn't always get this wet, but it's like soaked right now. So I can okay. hardly see, <laughs> I just can kind of see a little, it's like blurry, mm, okay. but, um, yeah, it's, I, I do like a rainy day, except mm. I do now I realize, but that's because I don't have to commute to work anymore. Nice. I hated yep. it when I had yep. to commute every day for an hour both ways. Yeah. And then I have to deal with being wet and all of that. Then I hate it. Like I want yeah. nothing to do with it then. But if I'm just home, bring oh. it on. I have my little candle. No. I particularly like when it's cold. It's yes. not cold, cold right now. Rainy. Cold, cold and rainy, rainy is my preference because yeah. then I can have my candle. I can have my hot cup of tea. You Wrap know, yourself in a little blanket. That's right. That's what I enjoy. This yeah, me like too. I, I don't love this like humid, <laughs> hot rain oh, because I can't so do my stuff. Humid. I know. I feel like the air is so thick mm -hmm. that I'm surprised the water even hit the ground. <laughs> it didn't just evaporate. Yeah, <laughs> it you didn't know. just like get stuck in the air <laughs> that is already so humid and thick and wet. Ugh, hate it. Don't like it. <laughs> don't like it at all. The worst. <laughs> My mom, it was like, we had a couple of days where there was, well, a few days, there was a heat advisory here in New York City. Yeah. And my mom, I think, texted me on maybe Wednesday morning to do a check-in and she goes, oh, it's in the 60s today. And I was like, hmm, that must be so nice for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 60s. Meanwhile, it's like, 90 here. Yeah, we've got hurricane humidity happening yeah. right now. Like no storm, but just the humid, horrible parts of it, of a right. hurricane. Well, hurricanes are horrible. So I'm oh, glad we don't I'm have sorry. that. Yes, that is terrible. <laughs> no, that sounded really awful. And I do, and my, I do feel terrible for the people that are like actually in hurricane world right now is in, it, in Florida. Because the one that's like near us that keeps threatening us is Lee, Hurricane Lee. Yeah. So that one's still on her way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't read, I just saw the headline about it. I didn't read the actual story. So that yeah. one, I think we've still got probably to look forward to her later mm -hmm. on, but it does look like it's actually going to be making its way up the Northeast coast. Okay. Um, where the hurricane that just happened in Florida stayed Down in there. Florida, mm -hmm. like Southern Florida. And it didn't even make it up like the, the East side of the, of the, of the coast. There. I think okay. it was just all South. So that's good. Mm -hmm. And then there was another hurricane that was happening where in California, like a couple weeks ago. Well, they had a double whammy because they had, they had an earthquake too. Yes. It was a earthquake. Earthquake. It was there you go. nuts. Absolutely totally nuts. nuts. Guys, it's, it's climate change. Yeah. And, which looks very similar to the apocalypse. And if we don't do something now, we, we might as well just bring on the end of the world as we know it. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm saying that flippantly, but it actually does. Like, I'm serious about that. 
Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's true. Yikes, yikes, yikes. On that very happy note, I <laughs> will start talking about uh, a story that's like very waterlogged. Um, uh, and so the musical that I'm doing is Home Sweet Homer. No. I see the Sorry. title over and over again when we go through the list of musicals. But yeah. I really have no idea what other than like maybe it's Odysseus. Yes, correct. Okay. Okay, yes, it is an adaptation <laughs> of the Odyssey. All right. Um, a 1976 musical. It's an adaptation of the Odyssey. And um, it the story focuses predominantly on um, Odysseus trying to come back home and okay. his wife Penelope waiting for him. Gotcha. I will warn you all from the beginning. It's like I don't I was unable to find a full synopsis, so I will not be giving that here. But it was interesting kind of going when I was doing the research on this and seeing people like on YouTube, because there's also not a cast recording. Um, there's just like a couple of songs you can find on YouTube that were recorded from the soundboard um, okay. when the show did its tour. And then um, so you can you can listen to those. Uh, some are clearer than others. OK, of course. Um, and I actually didn't hate the two songs I listened to. Like oh. I, I didn't hate them. Um, and maybe that's because, uh, the, the lead actress, um, Joan, uh, Denair, her singing voice is beautiful. Awesome. And one of the songs was just her singing and her voice okay. is really, really gorgeous. She, um, was, she first came to Broadway being in Man of La Mancha. Oh, and Stilsonea? Yes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, that that tells me everything I need to know about the kind of voice she has. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and um, and then the other song is uh, with Yul Brenner, And I forget the other actor's name, but we'll go through all the actors later on when I start cool. talking more about the show. Okay. So the way I first, I want to tell you my resources. One of them is a hysterical title, but it was extremely helpful. And it's called Uncle John's Actual and Factual Bathroom Reader. It was a wonderful resource and wow. I highly recommend. All right. I love it. Um, and then I also used Wikipedia, um, The Book of Broadway, Debates, Disputes, and Disagreements by Peter Felicia. Um, the New York Times article, After a Year at Sea, Homer Dies Quickly by Louis Calta from January 8th, 1976, and also uh, Not Since Carrie. Um, there's another book that I'll reference in the course of my going through uh, the what happened and tell, telling you all that story as well, but I will reference that at that point. All right, so... Home Sweet Homer is a musical adaptation of Homer's The Odyssey. The musical was originally conceived by Eric Segal, who wrote the original book and lyrics, and, and the music was done by Mitch Lee. Mitch Lee did Man of La Mancha and Kismet, which were his two hits. Right. Um, he did a series of flops after that. Okay. <laughs> so this musical was sort of meant to be like a comeback for Mitch and also Yule, because Yule... Everyone just knew him from The King and I, and that was the show that he did, and that was the show that he just did over and over, and he was looking to have something else yeah, um, to, to bring him back to Broadway. Eric Segal 
was a linguistics professor specializing in Greek and Latin literature at Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. He was also, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was like a trajectory right there. I know. I was like, well, geez, like, <laughs> can I have Stanford for a hundred? I don't know. Um, and he was the author of the best-selling novel Love Story, for which he also adapted the screenplay. Um, I have seen Love Story several times. I like that movie. Don't come for me. I don't care what you say anyway. <laughs> and uh, it was like one of my my mom. It was like one of the things my mother introduced me to. And I will just say to you all, the only reason I'm literally here is because my mother introduced me to lots of things. Mm. And Love Story is one of them. Um, the Odyssey musical, oh, well, I said that part already, was Yul Brenner. He wanted something uh, as big and I guess sort of rich as he felt like playing the King of Siam was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, of course, played Odysseus in this musical. Um, the musical was about Odysseus's 10-year journey back to his wife, Penelope, after the Trojan War. And although the musical felt like a spoof, it was meant to be a sincere attempt at a musical about the Odyssey, a la Les Miserables and Ragtime, which were both successors of this show. Uh, the musical, titled Odyssey at this time, had a fairly modest production with a small cast and began a national tour on December 9th of 1974 at the Hana Theater in Cleveland, Ohio, where it opened to favorable reviews. After such a good beginning, Yul Brenner said that he thought the show would run for two years on Broadway. This was followed by a run at the Kennedy Center and many other theaters for a year-long run across the country to try out the material. Wow. So the tour went as follows. As I said, it was the Hana Theater in Cleveland, Ohio. That went from December 9th of 74 to the 14th of 74. Then the Kennedy Center Opera in D.C., that went from December 19th to January 25th of 1975. Then they were in the Erlanger Theater in Philadelphia, and that went from January 28th of 75 to February 22nd of uh, 75. They had only one preview in opening week. Then they went to the Royal Alexandra Theater in Toronto, uh, Canada, and that went from February 25th of 75 to March 22nd of 75. Then they were at the Bushnell Theater in Hartford, Connecticut. That went from March 24th to March 29th of 75. And then the Boston Colonial Theater, which a lot of shows go to now because it had a massive uh, renovation a few years back. So that went from March 31st of 75 to April 26th of of 75. And I have a little note about this particular (laughs) set of performances. The Marquis at the Colonial Theater left off Joan Denaire, who was playing Penelope. It left her name off the Marquis. Oh. Uh-huh. And because it was stipulated in her contract that her name always be on the Marquis, she requested that it be cloaked in black. <laughs> this caused some of the theater goers to believe that Yule Brenner had died. Oh. <laughs> oh, bless. Why didn't they just put her name? Isn't that easier than cloaking it in black? I don't understand. Neither do I. But this is what they chose to do. And for the record, 
I'm actually not surprised after doing research on this show. I mean, several things don't make sense. And this this is one of them. So this is your foreshadowing on things not making sense. (laughs) All right. I can't wait. (laughs) And then they went to the music hall in Houston, Texas. That was from April 29th to May 4th of 75. Uh, Ari Crown Theater in Chicago, May 14th to May 25th of 75. And then the Amundsen Theater in L.A. And that went from June 10th of 75 to August 23rd of 75. As the tour traveled, large portions of it were cut and changed. Like, for example, two acts were condensed into one. Oh. Mm-hmm. And they also changed the title from Odyssey to Home Sweet Homer. Okay. But even with these cuts, somehow the show also seemed to get bigger and more expensive. (laughs) The original production was capitalized at $478,000. And of course, that's in like 1975 money. And I did not, uh, I did not allocate for what it would be now. But although the reviews in Ohio were good, they began to deteriorate as the changes were made. During the tour, the original book writer, Eric Segal, left the production and asked his name and material be removed from the musical. This is, these are quotes that I'm going to um, recite from the New York Times article that I mentioned at the top of the episode. When we got to California, Mr. Marr added, Eric felt he did not want to work on the show anymore. He felt there was a way of making script improvements. Eric, who was uh, attacked violently by the critics, chose to withdraw. But Gene Walsk, general manager of the musical, said the show was closed down at one point while the matter of script changes was being arbitrated. Mr. Segal contended that revisions had been made without his permission, thereby abrogating his contract with the producers. A settlement was reached under which Mr. Segal's name was removed from the credits. He retains a 3% to 4% interest in the show, said director Albert Marr. Mr. Segal, believed to be visiting in Tel Aviv at the time of this article, was replaced as co-author of the musical's book by Roland Kibbe and by Charles Burr and Foreman Brown as the lyricists. Uh, The currently credited writers are book by Roland Kibbe and Albert Marr, lyrics by Charles Burr and Foreman Brown, and music by Mitch Lee. So if you go anywhere and look for Home Sweet Homer, that's what you mostly see. And actually, if you go to Eric Segal's Wikipedia, there's no mention of Home Sweet Homer. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Marr rewrote much of the book and lyrics and then fired the choreographer, Billy Wilson, and took over his duties as well. Not only were delays caused by the rewrites, but the two lead actors, Yul Brenner and Joan Denaire, frequently missed performances due to an ongoing illness they both attributed to food poisoning. Oh, yikes. This is also from the New York Times article. In April of 1975, the two together with Denaire's husband and Marr and Brenner's wife, Jacqueline, filed a $7.5 million lawsuit against Trader Vicks in Manhattan, alleging short ribs they ate there shortly before the start of the tour were poisonous and had left them ill, weak, and infirm. Oh, my gosh. Do you know the outcome of that case? Um, it, it, they didn't, didn't win that say. case. Yeah, they didn't. Oh, no, they oh, didn't okay. win. They didn't win. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. 
So although the material left a lot to be desired, many critics did notice how hard the cast was working to make the musical playable and entertaining. In the complete book of Broadway musicals from the 1970s by Dan Deeds, he states that Yule brought his usual charisma to the part of Odysseus. He was also a big draw to the show and why the cast played to sold-out crowds on their tour. Not only was it obvious how hard Yul Brenner was working on the stage, but it was obvious that the rest of the cast was as well. But they couldn't beat the poor material they had to work with. Because of this, the show became a more pompous and pageant-like retelling of the Odyssey. He also stated, and by he I mean Dan Deeds, also stated that there was the addition of Odysseus in a myriad of costumes so he could observe what was happening back home with his wife because she was being proposed to by so many different people because everyone thought Odysseus had perished. Right. Dan called this a tiresome bit of business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it was necessary. like kind of no, not necessary. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. <laughs> the whole point of the story is to tell us, show us how he got home. Like right. we don't why also put in the addition of like him pretending to be other people to like right. see what's going on. I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I'm sure that added to the camp factor, even though they totally. were not trying to do camp, like by adding that, it just did, yeah. you know, it's like, let me put on glasses this time. Now let me wear a fake mustache. Now let me put this hat on my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Oh, so that, that didn't help the pompous pageant like feeling of the show. An unhappy Brenner sued to terminate his contract in August of 1975, but backed down when he was threatened with a $1 million countersuit. It sounds like he was just trying to find ways to get free money. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I stubbed my toe. I'm going to sue the maker of this bed frame. You know, it's like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. You're right. That is what it feels like. It's just like, this is the most litigious musical. (laughs) I wonder if it is the most litigious. We're going to have to go back through our books and like. Right. And find out if it is. There's definitely been some Sue Happy producers out there. Yeah. But it's just uh, like the actors are suing the producers. The writers are suing each other. Like, uh, I... They're suing restaurants. I mean, come on. Like, it's just absolute madness. (laughs) Um, Also, because Seagal's work had not been completely struck from the musical, he sued again in the fall of 1975. And the show did close for a brief period of time. So he sued to have the show shut down until it took out. Because when he sued, he wanted his name off and everything he wrote gone. Right? Wow. Like, again, like, I didn't understand fully that that was the case. Like I didn't, I, you know, have your name taken away. That's one thing, but like every single thing he had any part in. Wow. He wanted it all gone. He wanted it all gone. Um, And so the show did close for a brief period of time, but like right now you're looking at, right. If that, if you'll just did just sued for termination of contract in August of 75. And then in the fall of 75, which we're getting very close to the Broadway opening at this point, like extremely close, um, Eric is also suing again. I mean, it's just like, how do you function when you're constantly in court? Yeah. You know, and you're spending so much money on legal fees to be defended. And it's like, it's almost like it would have been better for you to just shut down everything 
Right. Would it, like it would have cost you less money. Right. And like if you're looking at your star and and draw mm-hmm. because he had a name at that point, people knew who Yul Brynner were. Right. And that's why the star, tickets were selling four million dollars worth of right? tickets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. But your star and the person that helped write your script don't yeah. want anything to do with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, well, let's take a step back and look at why that is. Yeah. Casey. Yeah. What's the reason behind Peter Siegel not wanting a part of it again? Eric Segal. Oh, Eric. Eric. Segal, I'm sorry. Yeah. It it's because, like I said, the the critics killed him. Like he oh, okay. he was terribly abused by the critics. And nobody um, else thought it was just him. I I doubt it was just him, but um. But he felt he, it. Right, because he wrote the book and lyrics, and then Mitch yeah. just did the 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 music, and so um. He just felt very, uh, he just felt destroyed by them. Yeah. And so, you know, if it, if it, uh, by the time he was wanting to leave, well, that was LA. So that was like pretty close to the end of the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's like, and then his work wasn't taken out and they, they weren't able to, I mean, you're basically at that point, if he wants everything gone, you're having to write an entirely new musical. and yeah, like starting from scratch. Right. And so you're talking, you're going to have to wait another several years because it takes many years to write a musical. So I wonder when in that tour mm-hmm. things started to go south. It was right after the Ohio production. So the Ohio production at the beginning had good reviews. Yeah. And then immediately after everywhere else, the, they were like, Huh. They were like panned. It says mixed. So there were some people who were kinder, but like yeah. overall, the reviews were pretty terrible. But yeah. also because it was selling so well because of Yule, right? Mm-hmm. So like I said, they were they were performing to sold out audiences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll I'll read this down the line. But like Yule stated that they were getting a lot of standing ovations is because of him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it. there have been a lot of really bad plays and movies that have had a name in them that people go and see, but that yeah. are really objectively terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> to watch. And and like I said, like the two songs I listened to, I really didn't I didn't hate them. Like, I didn't think yeah. they were so terrible. But well, to know. be honest, I mean, he wrote Kismet and yeah. also Man of La Mancha. Mancha. I mean, like those both are shows with very powerful messages the lyrics and 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 uh book are really really strong yeah so I can't imagine that it I don't like it's hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that it wouldn't be a really well-written show at at least for the music parts because a lot of the things I read when they talked about the book it felt felt very sort of episodic Okay. And it didn't feel um, like it it was gelling very well. Okay. And it felt like sort of disparate and scattered and kind of all oh. over the place. Okay. And I think those were a lot of the reviews, you know. And yeah. I mean, it's not like Eric's not a good writer or a seasoned no. writer, but writing a musical so different from writing a book or doing any sort of like educational or, um, you know, journalistic uh, work. It's mm-hmm. so different. Yes. And it's very, very hard to to do. And yeah. so I I think, um, 
you know, he he must have struggled with trying to. I mean, this is the only, you know, play mm-hmm. or musical that um, I saw that he had written. So, okay, you know, he did write the screenplay for Love Story, which is a very good screenplay, but. It, it's just not well, it's just not the same a story, as a play or a musical right. it's not telling the same. a story is hard but also like you look at the source material which is a very very long so book. long so he big. told that story over thousands of pages like that's yeah. it, it's a it's a difficult thing to condense into a 90 minute show right right so before coming to broadway home sweet homer grossed over four million in a total of 348 performances Nevertheless, it arrived here with a burdensome deficit of about $1 million. Mm-hmm. In November of 75, the scheduled Broadway run was canceled until Yul Brenner reminded the producers that his contract stated that the show had to play in New York at least once. <laughs> they should have just rented a tiny little theater for a weekend. I know. <laughs> I know. Also due to the illnesses of the lead actors, the numerous lawsuits and the rewrites, Opening postponements resulted in the cancellation of about $250,000 worth of theater group tickets. The musical was an extravagant production retitled Home Sweet Homer, began previews on December 26th of 75 with an official opening um, at the Sunday matinee on January 4th of 1976 at the Palace Theater. Um, It's like the worst timing. I know. I mean, the I previews know. weren't because like that. Well, no, it's all post Christmas. Right. So it totally. Like, like literally the day after Christmas. Yeah. It's not, it's not I great. I wonder if that was by design. But I also wonder too, if they weren't able to get a, like a really good deal on the theater because of the timing. Right. Like you're able to get a spot. And, and I also think like how much more money would they have had to spend if they're already in a deficit, mm-hmm. if they're having to wait till like March or April to open? Yeah, it's true. So, you know, it's kind of like do or die, you know, you don't really have have much choice because you've had to postpone for so long. Mm -hmm. And had they opened, you know, like in the summer, it might have been a little bit better for them. They might have lasted a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, Mitch Lee had a reputation for getting rid of song lists in the programs of his shows. He did this with Man of La Mancha and An April Spring. Just to name a couple shows he did this with. But for the New York premiere, he added songs. So there ended up being two different programs with two different song lists for the New York opening. (laughs) I mean, this this whole thing is also just like a exercise in like not like not being able to make decisions. You know, it's just like people... Or the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. It doesn't. We're suing because we want to leave now. We're suing because you said we're going to New York and now we're not. Mm-hmm. Just like somebody makes some strong choices. Well, and, and the go. Thing is too, like once court is brought into the mix, you can't start making decisions. Like you just can't. You're stuck. You're stuck because you are, this thing is hanging over your head, then certain decisions can't be made, but then other decisions, if they are made, could lead to more suing. And it's just like, oh, for crying out loud. Such a mess. Absolute mess. Um, The producers didn't even wait for reviews. So they announced the show's closure right after the curtain came down on Sunday, January 4th of 1976. The show closed with 11 previews 
and one performance at the mm-hmm. Palace Theater. So Yule got his one performance in New York, right? Wow, yep. Jeez. Um, more from the New York Times. Although the out-of-town notices were poor, Roger L. Stevens of Kennedy Center Productions Incorporated, sponsor of the venture, whose producing credits numbered more than 100 at the time of this article, said, I personally liked the material. There were outstanding songs in it, but I have never found a way, I've never found a way how you can beat the New York critics. This does not discourage me at all. You can't expect everything to work well. You've got to take the bad with the good. That's the way life is. Okay. Mr. Right? I like that. Pos- I know. He's, he's yeah. right. Like, life is hard. It's life. What are you going to yeah. do? Not everything's going to work in your favor. That's right. Mr. Brenner said home sweet Homer had had an honorable uh, career, adding over 85% of our audiences gave a standing ovations. There must have been something that was good about it. If there hadn't been, we wouldn't have continued. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as I don't know, most of you might know this about Yule, but unfortunately, because he did pass of cancer, mm-hmm. he never got his wish of being in another successful Broadway show and played the King of Siam for the rest of his life. But his mm-hmm. last tour was produced and directed by Mitch Lee. Okay. Uh, Home Sweet Homer, as I stated before, never really had um, a cast recording. So uh, there's just, like I said, floating around sort of these recordings from the um, the mixing board. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Home Sweet Homer. Interesting. Um, there are like a few, there are have been like a few sort of like concerts or stage readings, not a, not a ton of them. Mm-hmm. of the show um and you can you can search those and check those out um i i recommend going on youtube and like trying to hear the songs like literally all you have to do if you go on google just google home sweet homer musicals and click on videos okay and immediately like a bunch of the um songs will pop up from youtube nice. so that's how you can find it if you if you want to listen to any of it um, and like I said, like, I, I don't think it's terrible. I mean, like I stated, Mitch had had several flops. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned one of them and here's the April one was also a flop. And um, Yule did have like two. I think he had two other tries at shows that were not the King and I okay. that that did not succeed. So, you know, yeah. I think it's very telling that the time that Yul Brynner was in this business mm-hmm. and also the fact that he is ethnically not white mm-hmm. is kind of probably what put him in that box. Yeah. Which is really sad. It is. And got to be super frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like. You know, it's like I watched the um, Rita Moreno documentary and all that she went through and like also having to do like brown face. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, you know, and obviously she was around when he was, you Mm -hmm. know, and so it was a time where 
you know, and, and there's a lot of controversy around him playing the King of Siam because it it's also basically like a version of brown face, you know, yeah. and it's yeah. just like yellow. It's yellow face. Yellow face. Yeah. And yeah. so I just, it, you know, they were they were I mean, Rita's with us still now. And so we yeah. get to see her play all types of parts and <laughs> she's just consistently freaking delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, you'll you'll didn't last that long because of cancer, yeah. you know? And so we, we're, we didn't get a chance to see him into his like eighties and see if like he would be able to play more parts right. that, um, were, were created for, you know, someone like him. And, um, I don't know. It just like, you're right. It's just kind of sad. And, and, but at the same time, like, he he had uh, one of his quotes from that same article, like he was so positive, you mm-hmm. know, he just kept saying, like, I'm not deterred, like, I'm still hopeful that like something can happen, you know, and um, I just I just love it when people are like that, when people, yeah. he, you know, and it didn't work out for him, but that like he still had this hope and he still yeah. had this love for theater so much. You know, and he just really loved doing the work, it seemed. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that whole thing with the being sick as oh. an aside, like, I don't know what was going on there. I really yeah. don't. There's no way for me to be able to tell you, like, right. if they actually got sick from the food at that restaurant or if something entirely different was going on. But it was like, yeah, I mean, it was very, very messy. and. Um, I, I do think they got blinded by the fact that they had a huge star in the lead and, you and know, that they had early success. Yeah. But that was like with literally just one, one city. One, yeah. One city. And then they were just panned consistently, mm-hmm. you know, and we talk a lot on this podcast about tryouts. Tryouts yeah. are a big thing for us because we yeah. notice. That so often when people do don't do tryouts at all, like not even having some sort of off Broadway run, like not even having some place to like work out the material Mm -hmm. is consistently seems like the the shows don't do well because they've had no time to marinate, to acclimate to like having a a real audience that can Mm -hmm. give you real feedback because they haven't been sitting with the material for years like you have. And in this case, they had all of that, but they kept ignoring it. Yeah. Right. And so. Or, I mean, you get to a certain point where you're like, is it better that we keep changing things or should we just start over? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I mean, think when Eric Segal left, they they had that kind of perfect built-in opportunity to right. start from scratch. It is a great idea. I mean, like we have told them the mythos of Odysseus and the Sirens and Penelope, right? you know, over and over again, mm-hmm. because it is a good story. Right. Right. Yeah. Speaking of the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival right now is doing a one woman musical called Penelope. That's just about Penelope's perspective. Cool. Yeah. I like that. Me too. And so I'm going to try and see that next weekend. So nice. when we do our next intermission, so um, if I'm, if I'm able to go, I'll let you all, all know how that 
awesome how that was but yeah because like she's the interesting one right he was left <laughs> alone for decades yeah I don't remember how long it was but it was a very long time very long time left alone to raise her son all alone Mm-hmm. to a guy that like who knows he could have found another wife and stayed there or he he's dead or whatever right and through the course of her decades of life without Odysseus she is challenged she mm-hmm. is coerced she is wooed she and then she decides okay fine you know what I'll marry the next guy that can do the exact same thing that my own husband could do if you can get an arrow through all of these axe heads fine and mm-hmm. then her husband ends up doing it because he makes his like it's yeah cool and cute and it's yeah. a true love story although why would you leave your wife for that long but that's cool whatever <laughs> I mean it was war it was war it yeah. started out that way yeah and I guess I mean and that is the odyssey of it right he just kept he tried to get home but he just kept getting sidetracked yeah and I suppose if your whole crew turns into pigs, that's that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> Makes it harder. Makes you know, it a harder. it's a you little know. plot twist there. Um, right. Yeah. I remember seeing <laughs> the story of the Odyssey first on Wishbone. Do you remember Wishbone on yes. PBS with mm-hmm. the Jack Russell Terrier? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what it, I it's first. It's mentioned like... also in some of the stuff I read, like the Wishbone episode is mentioned. Oh, that's it's a really good episode. <laughs> I mean, I remember it. And that was however many decades ago. Um, but yeah, that was the first time I like really understood the full scope of the Odyssey. Because I, you know, you always hear about, you hear about the sirens, you hear about, you know, putting the arrow through the axe heads, but you don't like really put it together with it being the same story of the same person. Right. And then it's neat. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. So, um, you know, for this wrap up, I just want to say, you know, Google, Google Home Sweet Homer. Listen <laughs> to a couple of the songs. The one with Yul Brenner is in the best shape. Um, so I, I'd encourage that one. The, the one with Joan is not in great shape, but you can still hear how beautiful her voice is. So yeah, it's nice. still worth the listen. Um, but it is quite grainy. So, okay. you know, just know that. But, uh, you know, I mean, get, we do this show so everybody gives things they've never heard of, like, a chance. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to listen to the show incessantly. Like, it's not going to go on my top five or whatever. But maybe somebody, one of you all is going to really like it. And maybe you're going to want to try to find the score. And maybe you're going to see, like, where the holes are and the revisions need to be. And, like, maybe you'll make something yeah. really fun and cool out of it. And there have been several other, you know, people who've tried to make Odyssey musicals. And it's not for the faint of heart because no. it's such a huge story. But, you know, undertaking. Yeah. it is valiant effort. And and two, I would say, like, to hire somebody who is a Greek you know, linguistics yeah. professor, like that was a smart move. I feel totally, totally. You know, so it, I felt like I was like, well, that, that was smart to have somebody mm-hmm. who knows the material very well. But unfortunately, you know, like I said, uh, writing a musical or a play is like its own animal and that can be really hard. And, yeah. um, 
you know. So much goes into it though. And yeah. so a lot of times it isn't just having a good story. It's the timing of it. It's finding the right audience. Mm-hmm. It's, it is the infighting. It sounds like there was a lot of inner so turmoil within this show. So it, and it, exactly. And that will always play outside of the backstage area. Always. Yep. Same yep. with two by two. You know, Danny yeah. Kaye was kind of a jerk to his co uh, to his co stars, and it showed on stage. Yeah, yeah. So there you have it. There you Thank have you it. all so much for listening. <laughs> Check out Home Sweet Homer. Yeah, and that's it for me. All right, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Theater Geeks Anonymous. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGABWAY and on Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous. And if you want to tell us how much you love us or you have a great story about one of the shows we've talked about, drop us a note at TGABWAY at gmail.com. You can also support us by going to patreon.com forward slash TGABWAY. Until Until next time, time, geeks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.